Product Coffee, a podcast where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jake Whirlin. Kevin Gentry. I'm Zach LaGreca. Lou Cirillo. And today we have a topic um, that we're excited to talk a little bit about. It's called building products under the magnifying glass. And this is this is something that every product manager goes through at some point in time. Um, you will go from relative obscurity where the products that you're working on don't get a lot of airtime and don't get a lot of attention. And then often overnight, you as the product manager are building the products that everyone is talking about and everyone has opinions on um, all, all at the same time. So how how do you deal with that as a product manager how do you how do you go from having that space to think and maneuver a little bit more when you're in that obscurity phase to um having a lot more cooks in the kitchen when when you're in that spotlight phase yeah that's 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 an interesting topic i think lou actually has a lot of context with this um from being on shark tank and just being in front of pitch competitions because i think being in the spotlight and under pressure um is something that just takes practice and and something to get uh, you know um continue to get those reps in uh, essentially um i think for me personally getting really good at improvisation so um knowing your product in and out knowing all the answers to the questions and being able to improv when you're under the magnifying glass because sometimes you'll get questions that you're not expecting or, um, you know, a certain, certain level of heat for topics or why you made certain decisions. So having all of that context and that information is, is good to go off of, but curious to see Lou's take on it. Yeah, for sure. And, and just some, just some general clarity, I actually didn't get a chance to be on shark tank, but I did pitch to Damon John and a, and a few other kind of high profile people. And I mean, I guess I'll put it in, in two ways. At least when I joined Ibotta as a product manager, I, I didn't, when I came in, the product I was working on was net new, fundamentally turned off, pretty much in obscurity as, as we kind of saw it. And our team was focused on building something that was completely not even our product. So we were just not even, not even in the limelight focus. And it didn't happen, I think, until probably earlier this year. And then it was like everybody wanted to kind of have their have their say. So I think the way that I've always found to kind of deal with it is just that you need to take your take yourself and your ego out of the situation and realize that it's not about like you're the product manager, which means to manage. It doesn't mean that I'm the product creator, the product designer. Sometimes I have to be those. But at some point, what your job is to sit there and triage incoming requests Take, take note of everybody else's ideas and actually I think lean into it, right? If the product's in the spotlight, lean into it as much as you can. Don't feel like you need to hold back. Let other people play in your sandbox, which is, you know, something that I think a lot of product managers aren't comfortable with. But if you lean into it and you realize that what you're at that moment in time, what your job is, is to triage requests, collect ideas and filter them. That's what I think the job of the PM is at that point in time. It's not, it's not time to be visionary. It's time to be like, it's time to go into get shit done mode and um, really just triage the incoming requests. And I, I think Jake, you probably had a pretty similar experience to me. Yeah, I think so. I think when, when you kind of are put in some of those more high visibility, high pressure situations, the ideas come in fast and furious. Um, 
And I think to your point, Lou, like you can't do all of those things and you need to filter them. So we almost become kind of the, the not, not air traffic controller, but kind of in some ways, like evaluating all the ideas, trying to make sense what gets done when, but you're right. I think you don't, you don't have, you're not, you're not expected to be the source of all the ideas. Um, you're almost kind of the conductor of making all the pieces work. And you just have, you have different people playing instruments at that point. And they often tend to be leadership folks. Um, and of course that changes the dynamic of, of the kinds of conversations that you have. Zach, I know you, it's been a, probably a little while since you've been in, in the, in the, under the magnifying glass as it were, but, um, how does that stack up to your experience? Yeah, that definitely matches. So I, I think for several of you, you've worked uh, not in obscurity, but but less under the magnifying glass, and you've shifted more recently to under the magnifying glass. Uh, whereas I think you know I, I started out pretty heavily under the magnifying glass, at least at Ibotta, and I've gotten to shift away from that a little bit. Um, one thing that I agree with uh, that you were talking about, Jake, is um, taking your ego out of it. Um, I think one thing that can be hard is when you own a problem space and you kind of are working on this product, especially early on, earlier on and not as many people are bought into it and you like put a lot of work and effort trying to start to make this vision happen and then it starts uh, taking off and it's not just you. And some of that's just a product lesson. Like we aren't individually making any product successful. Um, but beyond that, knowing when you need help. Um, so for me, that was, that was a big thing too, is when you're under the magnifying glass, often things are picking up speed. Um, and you know, the heat, the heat is on, you know, uh, and that can be a time when you might need to expand the scope of of your team or add more resources or, or even more product support. And rather than resisting that, embracing that is more likely to make you successful than, than trying to handle everything on your own. So that's, that's something I've noticed. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, the other, the other idea I like is that you're really trying to conduct everything happening. You're not necessarily the one bringing all the ideas. And so to kind of further that analogy, you know, it, when the microscope uh, microscope is applied, you're you're not the person trying to solo. Uh, you're 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 in the background. So, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a good point. And and generally speaking, I, I really want to make this kind of like a as a as a general thing. Like I said the the playing in your like the playing in your sandbox type of rule. Like you really need to kind of get okay with that. And I think even before I joined Ibotta, like that was always the mantra. Like if you were building a product, you're creating something like you need to be really comfortable with other people contributing to it, especially um, because it's going to make the product better, right? Like that's the entire objective that you have is to make a good product. And that involves listening to as many people as you can and sorting out the truth and making sure that you're making the right decisions. Your job is to make decisions you know, your job isn't always to be the best at creating every little detail. And what are some tactics that you guys have used to kind of manage that, um, you know, fury of ideas and um, and attention, right? Like, is there, is there certain processes that have kind of evolved out of being in that limelight that, that you can educate the the listeners on? I can tell you something I'm trying. Um, (laughs) So one of 
Zoom freeze? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can go. Um, yeah. Come on back, Lou, whenever Zoom lets you. Um, for me, I think it like communication becomes overly important in these situations and over communicating like down. I think it, at least with, it, it also depends on the people, but I think the, the folks that we work with at Ibotta very much value the details and very much value the transparency. Um, so being overly clear with what's going on, why those things are happening um, and how you're thinking about it is, is really, really important. I think in with these kinds of projects, there's often the expectation to do a lot in less time than you might normally otherwise do it. Um, so communicating things as they change in real time can be, can be really, really effective. It's almost like leadership folks are in, in the seat next to you or on the stand conducting the orchestra next to you. Um, so how do you almost develop the partnership as opposed to kind of a, any, as opposed to a relationship that's more like, superior subordinate you're almost doing it together in some in some ways i think one framework that's helped me when under the magnifying glass is getting better about communicating trade-offs um yeah which is the classic part yeah. of the role but when you're more under the magnifying glass there's more ideas coming in more ideas are from higher uh leverage people like you know c-level folks and vps um and your job at that point isn't to let all ideas happen and try and make them all happen. You're not letting the orchestra run wild. You still have to prioritize. And so it, um, the, the best framework has just been communicating the trade-offs, what we're doing, what we're not doing. If we do this other thing, what we then can't do and why, what the pros and cons of those things are and trying to be objective about it too. I, I think in kind of along the lines of, um, you know, not, being super territorial about your sandbox, you still want to communicate what the purpose of your sandbox is for lack of a better way to, to put it. Like you still have a focus on what you're trying to solve for your user and the, the, the key metrics for success and then how you get there, you, you need to be less defensive about and, and as well as accepting help and, and ideas. Yeah, I will, sorry that I dropped off there, but I'll jump back in and, and say that the, the two kind of things that I do is one, lean heavily in on data. Um, recently, it's been a really big challenge with a lot of fury of new ideas coming in about our product. And one of the things that I did um, over the last week and into this week is I've spent probably about 10 hours just conducting say, uh, user research. And I've got 10 plus pages of notes at this point about all things about our product. And when it came into a discussion, right, there's kind of a, I can't remember who did the saying, but they were like, if it's, if it's your opinion versus my opinion, my opinion wins. If it's my opinion versus your facts, your facts win. And I think that's a culture that we definitely have here is that I've realized that our leadership team does very well if you have well evidence supported opinions. And so I've tried to lean in pretty heavily to that. The second thing is, what we're trying to do now um, in our subgroup is triage things that can be tasks that might affect multiple squads and then assigning a direct product leader for that particular task who can play kind of in everybody's sandbox to make it possible. Um, so that way it's not like, okay, we're now not binding up three to 4 PMs, all their designers, like everybody we're trying to do it just like, okay, we're going to, here's a list of tasks that came in, um, list of ideas. 
here's who's going to pick up leadership on each one, and you've got the right to play in the subgroup sandbox and figure it out. Yeah, how else can you guys leverage your product team? Because, you know, this isn't a one, um, an individual effort when you're under the magnifying glass. Um, your, your, your product or, or the, the things that you're working on is under the magnifying glass. So how do you leverage others on the product team? Um, different specific roles, like how do you leverage engineering versus product marketing versus designers or uh, user research? Is there any kind of um, advice that you can give? Honestly, I've found treating other product managers sort of similar as stakeholders works. And that's because the way you coordinate with other people on marketing or, you know, whatever other department it is, is you put yourselves in their shoes, understand what they're, what outcomes they're trying to drive and then find like the commonality between what you're trying to do so that you, you can come up with the right decisions. It's usually the same for product managers. You know, someone else might be working on the customer acquisition funnel and you're working on a new feature. And so how do those things overlap in terms of goal for the company? What is their motivation for their product? Um, and then how do those ladder up to the overall goal of the company so that you can like find that high level alignment of we're, we're both trying to like, if you go high enough up the ladder of priorities and goals, you're both trying to achieve the same thing at some point. And so kind of getting that understanding um, can help quite a bit. One other thing I just want to call out is when you're under the magnifying glass, it's actually a really unique opportunity to get support from a ton of other pe people and other product teams and getting prioritized on other people's roadmaps can be pretty difficult. So um, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but um, look for the opportunity when you have it. And it's also a, a really good um, chance as a product manager to experience a more holistic picture of the product and the business. Um, and so it can be a really good leadership opportunity to get to experience that. So it's, it's challenging and it can be uncomfortable, but um, don't necessarily shy away from it because you can learn a lot and grow a lot from it. Yeah. I think Zach, you're exactly right. I think in, when you're in these roles, you like, at least in my experience, I've found that I do less, I guess what quote unquote typical day-to-day -day product management things. And I become more of the glue that bind a lot of pieces together. And how, like what, how does that get represented? That's, that's basically things like talking about that higher level, more holistic product vision that you're talking about in, in the form of maybe a product vision, or you're trying to put people in the right places, talking, facilitating conversations that need to happen to help make that vision a reality. But I think Kevin, to your point, like it's often going to take a village to build the thing that we need to build. And you like the way squads and teams are often organized is that they can't build the product experience all only by themselves. There has to be some sort of um, incorporation of other teams. So I think as you become more under the magnifying glass, you become more responsible for kind of the concept that the product represents. Um, I think in a recent example, like for Lou and I in particular, that's been online grocery, but there have been five or six different product teams that have contributed to that at least um, over the last couple of months. So how, how do we coordinate all of those different groups to work together and row together um, and move in the same direction um, most efficiently, I think is really what the role becomes. Yeah. I'd also, also say to that note, like, when you're under the product magnifying glass, be prepared, be prepared and willing to basically bust your ass. Um, I don't mean that in the wrong way, but like 
it's it's uh it's get shit done mode like your brain needs to be there your brain needs to be like i'm into this like i'm gonna lean in i'm gonna like get get the work done and my priority at this point you know it's not that you're not doing that on any other day but this is a point where you know you want to be take that opportunity to stand out to stand up and to really show what you can deliver and make the impact, you know, if people need things, give it to them, you know, don't let emails sit in your inbox for two or three days, like make a concerted effort every morning to get up, answer those messages and realize that half the time that you're going to be doing this communication is your key thing. So if somebody reaches out to you, respond back and treat that like priority number one and priority number two of you know, maybe writing product briefs is like, you know what, I'm going to get that done in the mornings or the evenings when I'm not sitting here playing, you know, playing communicator. If I had to think of like a pie chart of how you spend your time, I think, Lou, to your point, it, it moves the, the segment of the pie that you spend on things like research and product briefs and developing business cases and all of those things that we do all of the time that actually starts to shrink. And what grows is cross-company communication, managing expectations, making sure the broader group is on the same page, making sure senior leadership is apprised of what's actually happening at that particular time. Like to a point made earlier, what are the trade-offs, new ideas coming in, new opportunities and evaluating those and becoming this subject matter expert for kind of a, a broader concept that encompasses multiple teams. And you become, you become kind of this communicating switchboard almost um, to make sure all the pieces fit together. That's not to say you don't do those other things, but I think just the proportion of time spent shifts a little bit. Any advice on uh, how to avoid burnout in those situations? I, I got I think one. it's so inevitable. <laughs> it's inevitable. <laughs> it's inevitable. I think it's inevitable at some point in your career until you, you learn to manage it a little better. Probably depends what, what microscope you're under. Um, I think something you can do is to, to really get a good understanding for which tasks you need to do that are highest leverage given where you're at. Um, and so I think kind of what Jake was talking about is that some of those tasks that you normally might spend more time on, like maybe market research and analysis or, um, or maybe even, I don't know, like longer term strategy with certain pieces, those might fall a little bit more into the background for a period of time because, you know, when you're under the microscope for a specific thing, um, often it becomes more executional and very heavily, um, is coordinational a word? I don't think it is now that I've said it. Um, uh, very heavily involves coordination. Um, so knowing like what are the highest leverage things I can do today? Lou, you mentioned, you know, like getting back to, um, to certain communications uh, quickly. Um, you know, and this is, I think a mistake I made is, is treating every task in your inbox with the same weight when you're in that kind of a, a mode is just unsustainable. Um, and so one quick framework is understanding like everything in your inbox rank, rank it somewhere along the lines of this is, incredibly high leverage, um, for, uh, where things are at, or maybe this is something that, um, is, is, is lower in terms of leverage for what it's going to do for the product and for our team right now. Um, and kind of prioritize your to-do list accordingly. I think what I would add to that is, um, in, in a similar vein is try to identify the big decisions and prepare and make those with confidence and delegate the smaller decisions. 
because to your point, Zach, like you can't, you can't do everything um, and you can't treat everything with the same weight, but what are those higher leverage actions that you can take in a given, in a given time, in a given day, in a given morning um, that no one else can real is in a position to do either. Um, so I think like delegating becomes a more critical skill to either develop or, or exercise. Totally agree. Delegating. And then I think also if there are certain things you're kind of just choosing not to do for a period of time, uh, making sure to communicate that you're not doing those things right now. That might be a certain project you're deprioritizing. It could be certain tasks. So it's like, you know, we're just, we're not going to be working very much on, you know, this piece of foundational architecture for the next month. Um, Calling those things out helps because then other people at least know, okay, this is what they're not doing. And this is why, um, that along with uh, delegation and some of these other things are things that I, I, uh, I've learned quite a bit about um, and hope, you know, hope to employ more effectively the next time I'm under the microscope. I'd say just for your own kind of mental acuity and health, like if you have a squad or a team that you work regularly with, make sure that you're continuing to invest in having good relationships there, your relationship with your engineering manager, like everybody that you need around you to actually make the product work. Because if you have that, you know, good teams will move mountains, right? So if you're, I would say communication is one, investing in your team mentally is is definitely number two, because you have to kind of see them through it just as much as you do. And like when a rough point hits, you'll feel that much more comfortable reaching out to somebody and being like, Hey, um, I don't understand this or, you know, this is the request. And I, and I think you'll, it will pay spades and dividends if you can really do that. I mean, in the terms of online grocery, I had tons of questions for our engineering team and, you know, the fact that we, I made sure that I was always keeping them posted, keeping them up to date, providing good reasons why we're doing what we're doing. Um, was absolutely excellent because every time I needed to ask about a request or a change or something like that, they were on it and I didn't even have to worry. Yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah. It it can be easy to lose sight of um, that relationship with your team, especially your engineers. I feel like when you're in that mode of um, high, high pressure and high visibility, because you, you start to have to deal with a lot more executive stakeholders and people across, uh, uh, cross functionally. Um, but it, it's important not to lose track of, of how your engineers are feeling and doing and making sure they're understanding and on the same page with you. Cause yeah, if, if they're not, um, that's, that's going to impact the product and that's going to show. Now you have all the tools you need to be a successful product manager when you are under the magnifying glass. You heard it here first. Um, I believe the four of us have finished our coffee though. So thanks for listening to Product Coffee and go level up. Oh.